Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. God's got more for us. And God wants you to believe that. God wants you to take that into your heart and start to stand on the Word of God and believe that God has more for you. And the Bible verse we're reading it from and believing for is from Ephesians 3.20. It says these words, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us. What a cool Bible verse. That because of the work of God in our lives, because of God being part of our life, God can do more for us, more in us, more than we could ever dream or imagine. If you sat there right now in your seat and you just thought quickly about what is the greatest dream you could imagine or believe for in your life, God's got more for you than that. Isn't that an amazing thought? The biggest thing you could ever dream of, God's got more. You've just got to believe Him for it. We just got to step out and do it. So this month, and, and and last month, we're gonna be. We've talked, and especially last month, we started trying to build people's beliefs that hey, God has got more for you. But this morning, I'd like to talk and give a few ideas practically about how we can have that there is more in our life. And the story I, I want to use is from Abraham, and I want to read you the Bible verse. And it's the story of this Torah, so that's Abraham's dad. So Abraham gets his name changed to Abraham when God gives him the promise of having children. But at the moment, his name's still Abram, and Terah's his dad. And Terah's decided to leave the country that he lives in, and he's decided he's going to go to Canaan. But he changed, on the way, he stops. And this is where I'm going to read from. It's Genesis chapter 11, 31 to 32. It says, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, And his daughter-in-law, Sarai, her name was changed to Sarah later on, the wife of his son, Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. And then it gets to Genesis 12, verse 1 to 5. After the death of Haran, he said, sorry, the death of um, Terah, he says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his his nephew Lot, all the possessions that They had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan and arrived there. What a great lot of more God had for Abram. Abram was living in his country where he was and, and, and God came to him and he said to him, hey, I've got more for you, follow me. Go to the place I'm going to show you. So the really cool thing about this life, Abraham goes and does it. And we're going to use this. I'm going to show you us a, a, a few things this morning about if we do the same things Abraham did, it positions us for the more that God has in store for us. So the first thing is this, obedience. Abram's obedient to God. In that moment, God turns up, says to Abram, 
just, just, and God, and Abram's never met him before. He just turns up and says to him, he says, hey, I want you to go. And I want you to go to this place I'm going to show you. And Abram says, okay, I'm going to do it. I'll follow you because those promises sound pretty good. But the key is he had to be obedient to what God asked him to do. He had to travel. And on the way, God, if you read the story, on the way, God just gives so much to Abram. He, he gives him so much. Uh, I've said before that scholars say that probably Abram was the richest man in the Bible by the end of his life. God gave him so much stuff, but he didn't just give him stuff. He gave him the desire of his heart, which was a son. He gave him so much. He had so much in store for him, but it took obedience. And, it, and it's going to take us too. If, if we're going to ever get the more that God's got for you and me, it's going to take obedience. It's going to be obedient to what God asks us to do. And for some of us, it's different stuff. For some of us, it's obedience around not doing what he asks us to do or doing something he asks us to do. It might be to go somewhere he asks us to go. It might be to change jobs. It could be anything at all that God asks you to do, give up a relationship. So many things he asks us to do, and we've got to choose whether we're going to be obedient. I was spending time with God in the story of Jeremiah and the book of Jeremiah, and I decided that I normally, I love reading certain books in the Bible. I love Genesis because it's like, it's like a story. I love Exodus because it's like a story. I like, one, I like Judges because it's a bit like a story. I like 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. They're pretty cool too. But I've always sort of shied away from the prophets because it's just talking. And so I said, I'm going to start reading those books. And as I started reading them, there's like Isaiah and Jeremiah, and I found them pretty cool. And there's this one story that I thought was interesting, and I want to read it to you. And it, it comes from... Jeremiah 13, 1 to 2, it says, This is what the Lord said to me. Go and buy a linen belt and put it around your waist, but do not let it touch water. This is really cool because this is the key. He said, So I bought a belt as the Lord directed and put it around my waist. Now, that could be the end of the story. God says, Go and buy a belt. He goes, buys a belt made of linen, ties it up. But the really cool thing is, God speaks to him again. And see, there's a key. God doesn't speak to him a second time unless he's obedient to what God asked him to do the first time. It's the same in our life. God's, God's got so much for us. And so when he speaks to us, the key for the next part is being obedient to the first thing he asks us to do. Because the next Bible verse says this, Then the word of the Lord came to me a second time. Pretty cool. Then you got David. You got the story of David. David's there. He's already been anointed the next king of Israel. Samuel's rocked up at his house. There's a really cool story around that. He prayed, poured oil over him, prayed for him, said, you're the next king of Israel. You're going to take over, Samuel, uh, take over Saul's job. But when you read the story of 1 Samuel 17, which is a story of when David goes to fight Goliath, you see in that moment right there that he's still in the shepherd's field. God's got more for him, but he's still where he always was until one day, David's dad, Jesse, says to him, hey, I want you to take this food down to your brothers where they're fighting the Philistines and for their commander of the army. And David in that moment says, yeah, I'll do it. What a meaningless job for the next king of Israel. He should be in, he should be in a palace. He should be fighting wars like everybody else, but he's there in a shepherd's field and asked to take food down to the army. But he says, yeah, I'll do it. Grabs the stuff, takes it down, and in that moment, 
He's recognized by people because he was obedient to his dad. He steps into the next phase that God has for his life, which was a commander of the army, which was in the service of Saul because there was obedience on his life. What is God asking you to do in your life? Is God asking you to do something and because it's scary or because it doesn't sound too fun or that's going to be the, the catalyst the moment that starts to prepare you and get, push you forward into the more God has for you. And I've seen it in my life. I've seen it when God spoke to me in Ingham. I loved living in Ingham. I had great friends who loved talking about football. I've learned that you don't always find that. People get bored sometimes when you just talk to them all about sport. But I had great friends. I had, I had great, a great job as a chaplain with so much influence. And then one day God says, hey, you're done. It's time to leave. But I've got so much cool stuff here in Ingham, God. That's time to go to Bowen. So we moved to Bowen and because God had more for me and I learned so much more about ministry and about being a husband and about all these really cool things in life that I, I think had I not been obedient to God's voice and done what he said, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be the man I am today. And, but, you know, it's not just about leaving. You know, it's not about I need to go somewhere else and be obedient. Sometimes obedience is staying where you are. Fighting and dealing with the stuff in our life rather than running away from and go to something that's better. I remember about three years ago, just after Pastor John and Pastor Helen moved here, Renee and I were given an opportunity to go and be a pastor in a church down south. And that's all I ever wanted. And, that's, and I was praying, God, God, do we do this? Do we do this? Everything seemed to line up. And I said, we decided that we were going to go. We told Pastor John and Pastor Helen we're leaving. They said, okay, cool, because they were always championing us on and they wanted what, was, what, what we wanted. They were happy to see us do well. And then they said, okay, so we're going to tell the leadership tonight about it. Said, cool. And about an hour before our leadership meeting, just something wasn't right in my heart. And I jumped on the phone. I said, Pastor John, can you just wait a little while? We rung the other person said, look, I don't think we're coming now. Just give us another 24 hours, 24 hours later, we decided to stay. Now, I can't say that I heard God speak to me, but I did feel that this wasn't right. And because I was obedient to God, God had more for me. Look where I am now today because I said, you know what, I'm going to be obedient to God. I'm going to stay. I'm going to fight this thing out. I'm going to deal with the frustrations of, of hey, I've got this, this dream in my heart and I want to do it. But then you've got this other tension where God says, you're not ready and just hang around and keep growing and keep developing into the man God's called you to be. And I think that happens in all of our lives, that there's this tension. I've got this dream and I want to be there now. But God says, hey, just wait because you're not ready. I'm still building you. I'm still developing into the man you need to be. And I'm still developing Renee into the woman she needs to be. Then, I, then there's, when I was on bananas, every day I woke up when I worked on the bananas, I said, God, I'm quitting. Who gets up at five in the morning for work? Every man here says everybody, but everybody gets up at five o'clock for work. But at that part in my life, I was at 20 years old, I was going, who gets up at five for work? I get up at five, you know, as time went on, it got later. I had to get the bus at six to go from Ingham to Cardwell, which is an hour away to work every day. So it got later and later, 5.30, I was waking up, then 10 to six and racing to the bus stop. But... Yuck, hey, why weren't you taking a shower? But 
Every day I had to, every day I said, God, I'm quitting. And every day I said, no, you can't leave yet. And then I was obedient. And my senior pastor used to say to me, the day you say to God, okay, I'll be obedient. And you've got me here for a reason. I'll grow is the day God will take you the next step. So I remember one week I said, okay, God, I hate this job, but you've got me here for a reason. A week later, I was chaplain of Ingham State High School. Why didn't I do that in month one? <laughs> oh, wait, it took me two and a half years. But see, obedience is so important to God. And doing what he says is the key to what God's got for your life. The second one is faith. The second thing we're going to look at is faith. And, and faith is so important. Faith is what enables us to do the things that God's placed on our life. It's the very thing that causes us to be able to go places. And as I spoke about last week with Peter, how he walked on the water and done the impossible. It's because faith. It's because God gave him a word and a promise. He said, come. So Peter jumped out of the boat and stepped on the water because Jesus gave him a word. Faith is amazing. You look at the, the life of Abraham, or Abraham as he is in this moment. Can you imagine the faith it took? When an, I'm guessing it's an audible voice. He may have even seen God. I'm not sure. But when I read this, he hears God's voice, this guy he's never met before, this, this being that he probably until this moment didn't even know he existed. He comes down, he says, hey, Abram, go to this place I'm going to show you. And Abram, because if you have a look in Hebrews 11, it says that Abram was faithful to God. He took a step of faith, not even knowing the way. Isn't that amazing? So he starts walking off towards his promise, not even knowing the way to Canaan. He just starts walking out. I don't know about you, but I'd be fearful in that moment. If God comes to me and says, hey, I want you to go and do, go to this place, and you don't know the way, and you just start walking off, and I'm sure I'll find it on the way, that'd be pretty scary. It'd be a fearful moment. But fear is normal. But the key to overcoming fear is faith in God. I, I was talking to a friend recently, and they were talking about it was their 40th, uh, 40th birthday, and they went, what's that thing called? Skydiving. And she was telling me that, I said, how'd you go? She said, oh, it was so scary. I, she said, oh, I almost didn't jump. And, and there was this moment where I had to decide to fling my legs around. They said, I don't know how I did it. And then we just decided we were going. And I said, was it fun? She said, no. And I'd be the same. I won't bungee jump. I won't bungee jump. I won't skydive because I'm fearful. I'd be scared as I'm, I'm told, Dylan told me, and, and Uncle Gordon has gone skydiving. And when Uncle Gordon told me that, my opinion of him jumped up about five or six rungs. I thought, you are a cool guy. But when they said when you jump out, the funnest part is before the parachute opens. For me, the funnest part's when it opens and I know I'm going to live. <laughs> so why do it? I'm for, God, get this, I'd be praying the whole way, to, yes. But if, we, if we're not careful, we can allow fear to stop us to doing so many amazing things, so many great life experiences. It, it's scary, that first step is scary. I remember when I used to have jump into water holes, all my, all my Aboriginal and Islander friends, they'd all jump straight away, not even fearful, but it'd be a long way down. I'd stand there and I'd, just, and I'd be there about 15, 20 minutes, it felt like, trying to work up the courage to jump. But when God gives us a promise, when He speaks into our life, we can trust Him. Peter, I think, stepped out of the boat, not knowing 
that he was going to walk on water, but he trusted in the nature of God. He knew God was kind. He knew God wouldn't set him up for failure. He knew God wouldn't mess up his life. He knew if God tells me I can do it, I can do it. So he stepped out. And Abram had an amazing life, did amazing things. The whole world is blessed because he chose to step out in faith in God. What's God asking you to step out into this year? What's it going to take? What's the scary thing that God has spoken into your life, said, I want you to do this, or I want you to make this change in your life, or I want you to go here. I want you to do that. I want you to give up that. I want you to start to study. I want you to, maybe it's Bible college, and you're not even sure yet whether you're doing it. I don't know what it is, but if there's, is there something in your life right now that you know it's going to take faith, but God has spoken to you so you can have confidence in Him? That's what I think is the awesome thing about God. And then you see, the other thing is, you see Saul, who was the king before David, his disobedience stuffed up his life forever. There's, that's the key. There's disobedience and there's obedience. Disobedience takes us down a path that God doesn't intend for us to take. But when we're, when we're obedient and we step out in faith, and we do what God asks us to do, then God's got great things for us. He's got amazing things in store for us. Oh, if we have a look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 15, it says these words about Abraham. It says, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. I think this is what's happening here is God spoken to Abraham and says, I want you to give up your son. I want you to sacrifice him. Now, you've got to understand, this is the thing that Abraham wanted his entire life. He just wanted a son. So he says, all right, God, I'll do it. Takes his son on the way up. His son says, uh, as they're walking up the mountain, his son Isaac says to him, uh, Dad, where's the sacrifice? Don't worry, son, God will provide it. Not, and I, I don't know if Isaac knew, but I reckon as he's going up, he's starting to get the idea, maybe it's me. And they're walking up the mountain. And then just as he's about to sacrifice Isaac, being, a, being obedient, stepping out in faith, doing what God asked him to do, just as he's about to do it, God says, hey, Abraham, don't do it. And he looks over and there's a ram caught in the thicket. He says, but because you were willing to do what I asked you to do, because you had the faith, I'm going to bless you even more. And when we choose to be obedient to God, when we choose to step out in faith and do what God has asked us to do, when we believe that God has more for us, we've just got to do what He asks, there's an amazing thing that happens in our life. Let's choose, hey, this year I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to make a difference in someone's life. The third thing is this. Grace. God has more for you and more for me. He's got amazing things in store for us. And, and sometimes we think it's because we're good. And if we misbehave and we do the wrong thing, then God withdraws his there is more. He withdraws 
His blessing. But grace is unmerited favor, which means it's favor God places on us that we never earned. We never did anything to get it. And so that means if I did nothing to get it, how can I do something to have his favor taken off my life? If you ever look at the story of Abraham, I think it's a really good encouragement. Abraham did some great things. He was faithful. He was obedient. When his nephew Lot was captured, he took his 318 men. He went and fought an entire army and rescued Lot and brought him back. At another time, he's talking with, he's talking with God, and he's, when God comes down in actual form and says, hey, um, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and, and the Bible says Abraham went and sort of interceded with him. He says, you know, will you destroy it if there's 50 righteous people? He says, no. What if there's four? And he gets it all the way down to, I think it's five. He says, what if there's five? And God says, for five people, I won't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He does some amazing things. But he also does some dumb stuff too. He, he mucks up some stuff too. Like there's, one st- there's, there's two stories there where two different times when Abraham pimps out his wife, Sarah, to keep them safe. He gets into this naked country and he says, you know what, you're a very pretty woman. So, hey, when they come, just say you're my sister. Otherwise, we might get killed. The king of the land says, hey, you're very pretty. I'm going to take you into my house. And just because of the grace of God, because God intervenes, she's not taken advantage of. There's another time when he has doubt in God and he decides, you know what, I'm going to sleep with my servant Hagar because his wife says, hey, um, I can't give you a child, so why don't you sleep with our servant and have the baby? And, I, and when I read it, I notice he doesn't really put up much of a fight. Does he? You know, you read it, he does go, oh, I don't think I should. He says, yeah, all right, sounds like a good idea. There's not much of a fight there, and, and he's done some things that aren't great, yet God never takes his favor off his life. It's because of grace that we can be confident that you know what? God's got something more for my life. David stuffed up with Bathsheba, but yet God still had grace on his life. God still had more for him. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, we get all the favor or the blessing that belonged to Jesus, that Jesus should have got, because He took all the things that we deserve, we get all the stuff that He deserved. When I read the story of Paul, I think it's amazing. You look at Paul. Paul was a Christian hunter. He was like the first century, the Terminator. And he went out, and it was his, and he was taking out Christians as many as he could because he thought that they were a cult. And he was taking out as many as he could. The Bible says that he was approving when they stoned Stephen to death. He was holding their coats. And in that moment, but there's a moment when he's walking to Damascus, ready to take out some more Christians, that God intervenes and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he has an encounter with God that changes him forever. And God uses him. It's an amazing thing. God, he's the apostle to the Gentiles. What a contrast in life. He's a murderer. Now he's an apostle getting people saved and bringing heaps of people to God, setting up churches all over the world. A murderer with God's grace changes the world. So it doesn't matter this morning what you've done. It doesn't matter what you did last week. It doesn't matter what you did in your past life. It doesn't matter how messed up your week's been. It doesn't matter what's going on in your world. Your kids might be away from God. You might feel like you failed in some areas. You may, doesn't matter. God's favor is still on your life. God's favor is still on my life. 
His grace. Sure, He wants you to fix some of those things up because they might still mess up your life, but He doesn't remove His grace and favor from your life because of our performance. That's pretty encouraging to me, isn't it? And the last thing is this. Number four. Never give up. One of the things that was the hallmark, I think, of Abraham's life and is the hallmark of people that God's got amazing things in store for their life is that they never give up. God tells Abraham, Abraham at 75 years of old, hey, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to use you to do all these great things. He steps out along the way. I think it's at about 85 years of age. God then tells him, you're going to have a son. But he doesn't actually have the son till he's 100 years old and his wife's 90. So 25 years from the start of the promise and the start of the journey that God took him on for the there is more, 25 years later he gets the promise that he wanted in his entire life that God had placed deep inside his heart. Where in that moment that God says, hey, I'm going to bless you with all this amazing stuff. And in that moment, Abraham says, yeah, all this stuff is great, but I don't have a son. And God brings about all the dreams and the purposes that God had placed in his heart. But the amazing thing, one of the marks of his life is he never gave up, no matter how hard things got, no matter how often he mucked up, no matter the mistakes he made, he refused to give up. And I think if we're going to have the more that God's got for us, we need to take the decision, you know what, no matter what mistakes I make in life, no matter how hard things get, no matter how disappointed things are in my life, no matter how disappointed I am, no matter whether someone betrays me, no matter how hard it is to forgive that person because of what they did to me, I'm going to choose to press into Jesus. I'm going to choose that God is greater than all the circumstances in my life. I'm going to thank God that He's got an amazing promise for my life. I'm not going to step back into the end of those, into those past things that I once did, I'm going to press on. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to believe God every day that God has more for me. Let's not give up. Let's not give up. If I can get the band up on stage, that'd be great. Please. God's got more for you, no matter what you've been through. I love the story of Winston Churchill and the movie Darkest Hours was so good. I love those kind of movies. Some people cry in romance movies. I cry in that and Batman, but hey. And, and I watch this movie and it was really cool because what's going on in this moment is that everybody believes that England should surrender to Germany, have peace to peace terms. So, hey, we surrender because it looks like we're going to lose, so better we get some, some things in the deal that at least keeps us safe and, and we don't die. And there's the guys on his cabinet, Neville Chamberlain, who used to be the Prime Minister before Winston Churchill, and Lord Halifax, who was like the leader of the House of Lords, which is like our Senate. They're saying, you've got you to you give up. You've got to give up. You've got to surrender. And Winston Churchill, in the face of no matter how dark things got in his country, he said, we will never surrender. He does a speech in Parliament. And you know, I can't do it the justice he did it, but he says, you know, we will fight them on the beaches. We will fight them in the air. We shall never surrender. And the whole place, if you watch the movie, the whole Parliament just erupts 
and galvanized behind this man because one man chose to never give up. A whole nation's welfare is placed in safety. See, in our life, if we choose never to give up, if we choose to keep believing God for the promises placed on our life, it, no, it not only makes our life better, but it makes all the people around our lives better as well. Because we believe for God's promise on our life, other people in our world start to get promises as well. I love the story of Paul when he's in prison. They're chained up. The prison doors are closed. There's other prisoners in there with them. They decide in the late of the night, we're going to start to praise and worship God. Because they had, a, they had a belief inside them that God still had more for them. That even no matter how bad things got, we're going to worship God. We're not going to give up. We're going to keep praising Him. And in that moment, as they worshiped God, the Bible says that the earth shook. A miracle took place where everybody, not just theirs, but everybody's chains broke off. The prison doors came open. And it's a great picture of us if we choose to worship and praise God, if we choose to not give up, be obedient, be faithful to God, realize that everything we have is because of grace and what He's done. Not only does our life get better, but everybody's life around us improves as well. People are set free. People are healed. Salvations take place because we've chose to go after the dream that God has placed in our heart. Let's be a church that always chases that. God, you've got more for me. And this year, I'm chasing it. I'm going to write down what that dream and that thing is in my life. And this year, I'm going to have faith you're going to do it, God. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do the things you've been asking me to do. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to understand that it's by grace that I get this thing. So I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to get disheartened when I make mistakes. Because, God, it's by your grace. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.